Hey everybody, uh, Aaron here to announce something interesting on the the old Game of Thrones feed. We are going to be beginning our summer rewatch of season three of Game of Thrones uh, next week. I'm not sure what day our uh, these pods are going to drop normally. I'm suspecting like a Wednesday or Thursday instead of our usual like Tuesday. Because the Tuesday slot's going to be filled with uh, Sharp Objects, the uh, eight, uh, the the miniseries coming out uh, uh, also this weekend on HBO. But we're pretty excited because this is the last this is the last season we don't have coverage for in the archives, season three. Uh, you know, I'd covered the other previous seasons, one through three with Mad Brew, and then we stopped that podcast, and then Jim joined me from season four on. So this will be uh, kind of fun to catch up uh, on that. Also, should mention that Jim's not here because he's on vacation, so I'm kind of doing this uh, solo. Uh, we're going to kick things off. We just got back um, from Texas a month or so ago at the Dallas-based uh, Con of Thrones. And we did a live podcast in front of an audience there. And we talked about just some fun topics because, you know, we're a ways away from a new book coming out. And we're a ways away from the uh, season coming, uh, season 8 coming out. Probably sometime in 2019. Uh, so we didn't have a lot of like you know urgent stuff, but we had some some fun topics. Uh, one of the topics is the fact that I am I did like a soft plug on this book that I'm writing with uh, 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 with a religious scholar by the name of Anthony Ladon uh, about the religions of Westeros and Essos, and in fact the entire quote unquote world of ice and fire. Uh, we're going to be uh, is it's kind of a fun tongue in cheek examination of uh the uh the the religions and the real life counterparts and inspirations uh, religiously and culturally uh, that Martin is kind of drawing on and we use those to make interesting connections about characters that maybe you hadn't thought about before and also uh we we use it to make kind of predictions about where the plot is going to go uh and I think it's interesting it's fun uh the research is real and the scholarship is real, but we also have a lot of fun with it. If you want to check out that uh, process, we're doing a Kickstarter on it right now to raise money for uh, professionally typesetting and copy editing and hiring illustrators. If you go to book.baldmove.com, uh, you can see how you can help us get that accomplished. Uh, again, uh, there's not a lot of content. That's kind of the theme of the Kickstarter. There's not a lot of new Game of Thrones content being produced. Uh, we're trying to step in and fill that gap because uh, we're going kind of stir crazy without any new information, just like everybody else is. So we're doing our part. Book.baldmove.com uh, if you want to check out the Kickstarter. Uh, we are still 30 days, 30 some days away from the Kickstarter being completed, and we're very near our goal. We're going to be start talking about announcing uh, stretch goals and whatnot. But uh, check it out. Uh, one of the one of the levels is you can essentially get 20% off of the eventual ebook that's going to be coming out this November. I guess that's important to talk about, too. But anyway, I just want to mention book.baldmove.com if you want to check out me and Anthony's work on that. Uh, without further ado, I want to get into the live podcast recorded and just remind everybody that we're going to be starting next week with episode one of season three. Uh, if you want to get on the summer rewatch with us, uh, please send feedback to... Game of Thrones at baldmove.com. Uh, as always, we'll also have a episode, or we'll have a we'll have a thread episode on our forums uh, on forums.baldmove.com each week. If you like to send your feedback there too for consideration, uh, we'll see. How, I don't think we've ever done one just kind of like in the middle of the year. We've always released our rewatch coverage uh, right after a season completes. So 
Uh, this will be an interesting experiment. See how many people are kind of interested in, in rewatching Game of Thrones with us. Uh, but mostly, you know, we just want to complete our coverage. We want to have full coverage of Game of Thrones in our archives. Uh, and we're excited to get that done. So without further ado, here is our preview. We'll be back next week for Season 3, Episode 1, entitled Valar Doheris. And we're excited. Again, Game of Thrones at BaldMove.com if you want to follow along with that. I haven't done this in a while. Uh, it's always been my like fantasy to get you like, booed on a large stage. So I appreciate the applause. Can I get boo? Uh, boo. Like, come on, ever let it out. Let it out. Martin's never finishing the books. Season 8's going to suck. Come on. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I want one day 60,000 people. I want to be at like, maybe I have to rush this. We're, we're I have to like, I rush like a, a large sporting event because we're never going to get 60,000 people to come out and see us. Just but. times a thousand and we're good. This is weird. I'm usually, I'm used to doing a podcast like across the table from you. Yeah, I'm happy. I don't have to look There's at you. There's a giant Matt Damon behind you. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, it's like very odd. Very odd. Are you going to do like the official? Are you going to? Are you guys yeah, going to kick yeah, this I'm, thing I'm off? I'm going to kick it off. Welcome okay. to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Con of Thrones. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron, and we got a look. Uh, we have a couple of games that we're going to play tonight. We want to talk about the con. Uh, we want to talk about a lot of stuff. Hopefully, get maybe some Q and A later. Yeah, uh, at yeah. the end. There's a microphone there. If there's a microphone, point. yeah, there uh, it is. We're going to run for a little bit like we do. Uh, is everybody having a good con? Yeah. I thought maybe we could talk about some con of thrown experiences. Okay, you want to start off? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, okay. So I, I, hit the, I hit the expo floor, and I was immediately accosted by this guy that's selling genuine absinthe. Have you oh, seen that? Okay. And I, and, and I, I bought two. two uh, so it's, 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 it's got like... Wormwood and a whole bunch of other shit in it, and it's in like a little uh, sock thing, and you steep it in your favorite. I don't. He, it's not steeping. He corrected me because that implies heat. So you just soak it in uh, the spirit of your choice, and in between five and thirty-five days, depending on how strong you want, you have absinthe. Now, I've never had real absinthe because I guess that's like illegal. But I'm thinking that I'm going to make this, and like thirty-five days of an experiment, Jim and I are going to drink some on lunch with Jim and Aaron. And 35 minutes into brewing it, you're going to be rested <laughs> because you've just admitted to it. Yeah, and this will. There's only like what, uh, 75, 80 people here. That's like 60,000. Yeah, 60,000. I don't know if we release it on the like. That's it. Are we going to get a copy of this file? Will it actually? Is it going to escape I think this so. room? We did last year. Shit, so, yeah. maybe I shouldn't confess to that. I mean, the guy's selling it, right? You could probably. It it's, it's legal to sell wormwood. As, it. as soon as you put in alcohol, it's super illegal. Like weed. Yeah. Yeah, your weed's fine as long as you keep it out of alcohol. That's <laughs> check local laws. Not sure how they roll in Texas. Uh, I thought that was cool. Um, what did you uh, see? Another another vendor that I liked was the coin vendor. I can't remember their name. Anybody got that? They were passing out these weird, like super secret black sealed envelopes that you could t- that you could uh, turn in for like a small coin at their booth. Yeah, they give you a little like coin purse with a couple coins in it, and I thought that was really cool. They do all their custom engraving. They have like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and Game of Thrones, obviously, just all these different themed coins. I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, and I'd also talked to that guy who's a uh, broken shoulder armory or broken shoulder smithing. Uh, I think I finally found someone who's going to make my Bolton. Brooch that I've been wanting to complete my Roos Bolton costume. He, he said he could do a custom casting out of copper for me. So I finally, that's the that's a thing I need to complete my costume. The 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 flayed man brooch that like pins Roos's 
crisscrossy belt things onto nice. his chest. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, what is, uh, did you uh, have you enjoyed the panels you've been on? Uh, the ones I've been on, yeah, sure. Uh, have you uh, seen any? Because I, I, I don't think I've seen a panel that I haven't been on because I've been. Oh, I, I caught a couple. I caught the opening ceremony, which was a lot of fun. They played some games, uh, and then I caught another game panel, which was the Family Feud. Uh, that one was a lot of fun. They had uh, some of the, the actors from Game of Thrones and some staff members up on stage, and they played around Family Feud, and I thought it was fun. Uh, but yeah, I haven't caught many other panels. Yeah, it's tough when you're working. Also, um, there's been really a lot of cool costumes. I just saw outside, there's a guy dressed as the wall. Yeah, I saw that. And there's a lot of dragons running around. There's one right there in the front row who needs to stay the hell away from them, uh, especially if they've been uh, ice magic uh, I, I saw the, what is it? The, you're pre, yes, sir. Pre-ice dragon. You're lovely shaded yellow. I don't, I don't think the ice would take well. Uh, there was one of, like, the, the siren, is that right, on top of the marine... Uh, the harpy, pyramid, the harpy. Yes, she's got Thank several you. sons running around too. Yeah, I, I saw him. That's uh, pretty cool. I thought that was neat. I got uh, oh, um, the guy who plays uh, young Willis, who you, you might know better as young Hodor, uh, Sam. Uh, I don't know if you saw it last night, but he was wearing uh, a mocap dragon costume, where he had like essentially like a black sock on with those like go- uh, ping pong balls all over him and like a dragon head and like. Yeah. Sticks for his wings. I thought that was cool. And that was at the Family Feud panel. That was yeah. really funny. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, it's been cool. Uh, I like your na- your nickname for the Jon Snow that's been running around. I think it's his nickname. That's his nickname? Con Snow? Snow? It's too yeah. good. I love yeah. it. Yeah, it's very, very funny. Um, do we want to get into our other topics, or do you have anything yeah, else yeah, you yeah. want to shout out about the, the con? No, uh, no, no, I'm good. I think we should start off with, what, Lord of Lightning round? Do you want to do that, or do you want to save that for... Let's do, let's do, let's let's do the it? quips. Let's do the quips up front. Okay, spoiler alert. Lord of Lightning Round is coming. Yeah. Uh, so we do this thing for our club. It's called Quit. Quit Your Pitching, where we uh, use this random generator to generate random show titles, and then we take turns like pitching what those shows would be about, and we cast it and all that. It would be fun to play a Con of Thrones edition where we pitch rejected ideas for Game of Thrones spinoffs for HBO. Uh, I'll start off. Uh, the Gendry CrossFit Show. So this is going to be Gendry. It's a, it's a half-hour motivational daily thing. It's in the morning. He's going to lead you through some some cardio or, or some rowing. He's when he gets you warmed up. He's going to do a lot some of hammering. He's he's going to he's got he's got this uh, yeah you're, you're good, those big sledgehammers on the tires. You're going to be definitely doing a lot of that. Uh, you're going to be doing uh, a lot of uh, 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 cross-country running. As he showed off, in, and it's, you know, just, just get Westeros fit, get get jacked like Gendry. That's the that's the that, that'll be the trademark. Uh, the break ad's gonna you're gonna see on all the t-shirts. Get jacked like Gendry. Uh, so yeah, that's one rejected by HBO. I don't know why. Uh, uh, next one up is Hodoring with Hodor. So this is a this is a talk show like uh, between was it it's the, like the soup? You know, it was like between two palms with. It's gonna be between two weirwoods. And it's going to be a, you know, Hodor will have a different uh, ice and fire character on each week, and he'll lead an interview, and he'll be, Hodor, 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 Hodor. What were you thinking in the the famous scene where uh, you had to hold the door? Hodor, Hodor. Uh, He also, like, there'll be the Hodoring Hodoring with Hodor after hours, or it's ASMR, where he just, just, Hodor, 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 Hodor. Yeah, it's going to be like that. 
Uh, again, rejected by HBO. Uh, <laughs> fighting around Planetos with Sandor Clegane. So this is a meta take on, what was that, the South Park skit? Fighting around the world. With, yeah, with, with uh, uh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Yeah. Uh, going around, and Tugga. And t- yeah, so it'd be, um, it'd, be, it'd be Sandor literally coming into every port and uh, fighting with the town's inhabitants. Uh, he's going to be, uh, yeah, I've heard there's a bunch of right cunts in the free cities. We're here at Bravos. They say they've got the best swords. And he's just, that's not a great Sandor. Uh, I didn't promise good impressions. I have a much better crow. I, I, I promised bad pitches that would be rejected by HBO. And he's going to, uh, you know, he's going to take on the faceless men. He's going to go down. Uh, the slavers of Marine are going to try to capture him. And he's going to fight his way out of that. Uh, he's going to take on the entire Dothraki horde. Uh, and uh, just essentially say, you know, just, just use a lot of, like, gendered insults. And uh, he's going to disembowel a lot of, a lot of people. And that also was rejected by HBO. That one had legs. I really fought for that one. Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, this next one, though, I feel is really good. Aria the List. Where it's, it's essentially, I, I think it would break into some of these other shows as like a news bulletin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aria has added another name to her list. This time, herself. So. The, Arya Stark. The dude that cut her off in line for Starbucks. She starts off with Cersei, Ilan Payne, the Hound, but then it gets progressively more petty. Uh, the person that was... it has to, right? The I person mean, was unwrapped. the big bad. They, they brought their, like, candy from home, and it's all individually wrapped to the movie theater, and they're, like, in the back row, and they just keep crinkling. She's on the list. On the list. Arya is not taking any more of this guff. Also rejected. Also rejected. Uh, Cash Caravan. Uh, Jamie and Braun are driving the caravan of gold into King's Landing, and they stop and they pick up random small folk, in the war- and, and, they, and they invite them in. And you're in the Cash Caravan. They have to answer uh, a bunch of basic questions about Westerosi culture and religion and history, and they're all illiterate and uneducated, and they all fail. And Jamie and Braun throw them out of the Cash Caravan, and it was rejected by HBO. Turns out you need basic literacy to make a game show like that work. Uh, next up is Maester MD, which is the house uh, spinoff with, I think, I think we're going to go with Kyburn, even though he's not technically a maester, but he, he seems to have the most promise. He, he's the most house-like of all of the people in Game of Thrones, I think. I think it's like a Dr. Oz, where you, but it's two shows. You got Kyburn and you got Pycelle. Okay. And like yeah. you call in and you got like, uh, you know, hey, I've got an open wound and I might have got some like cow shit in it. And Master Pycelle's like, well, you need to make a poultice of the mashed root of. And then Kyburn says, burn it with wildfire. Yeah, Kyburn's like, I, I must open your chest and replace your heart with a three eyed crow. Uh, <laughs> And then the caller thanks them for their time. Uh, you know, they share moon tea recipes. Like, you know, uh, they, it's, 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 it's going to be, yeah, a call-in medical show, and it'll be as effect, uh, efficacious as every other call-in medical show. Uh, consult your local maester. Also rejected. Also rejected by Game of Thrones. What the hell is this one? I don't even remember. Oh, you've got to know this one. Unbent, unbroken, unsexed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the... It's the Unsullied doing something. I this, don't oh, know. So this is all. This, this is, is like a fever dream to me. This, this whole is, planning session. This is uh, this is like a, a show about uh, all the people who have been unsexed on the show. Uh, all the Unsullied, uh, Varys, uh, Theon, 
and they talk about the challenges of living in the world without genitalia, I guess. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem all that interesting in retrospect. No, no. It had the title. The title was good. That's it's everything. very problematic. Uh, it's probably insulting to lots of different people. Maybe, maybe that was best left on the cutting room floor. Uh, oh, next oh. one up, Jaharis. Yeah. So um, the best king of Westeros. So, so HBO wants to get a lot. You know, obviously Game of Thrones is the biggest thing ever. Uh, they want the, as many seasons as they can get. So we pitched them the reign of the wise king Jaharis. Fifty years of unbridled peace and prosperity and wealth. And it's fifty seasons. And nothing exciting ever happens. <laughs> but everyone has a great time. Uh, education is increased. Uh, there's no war. Uh, 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 new building and technologies. In, in the, like, there's plenty of food. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of political reforms that make things easier for the small folks. And it's just boring as shit. But there's 50 seasons of it. And, it's about contrast, really. And every, yeah. it's, every year it's going to be cliffhanger whether the king's going to go mad. Spoiler, he never does. <laughs> and it's always sunny in, in Westeros. Except for it's actually a wholesome show. And, and finally... What is my favorite is a show called The Winds of Whenever. Uh, and it's going to be a documentary behind-the-scenes thing following George Martin as he gallivants around the world, not writing the books. Uh, he's going to go to baseball games. He's going he's gonna to write other books. He's going to talk about writing The Winds of Winter and going, promise that it's going to be out very soon. We're going to watch him like on, on Sunday mornings in the fall, sit down at his typewriter, and then, oh, the... the, the the, the Giants are on. Got to go watch. Exactly. Got to watch football, and then it's like, ah, oh, watch the morning game. Might as well watch the afternoon game, and almost time for Sunday night football. And he never writes the winds of winter. This I actually don't think was rejected by HBO. Yeah, no, they're going <laughs> I with think that it was one. Picked up that one. That one's actually happening. Um, so that's one of the things we promised. We're going to write a. Oh my God, we're going to host a. Oh my God, George is never going to finish these goddamn books. Panel, uh, a support, an audience support group. Uh, Jim, is he ever going to finish these books? Of course not. No. Like, what incentive does he have at this point? And it's not that he's not writing. He's just writing everything but. Like, he's right. doing this wild card stuff. He's doing this fire and blood. Like, I don't know if everybody was, was clamoring for it, but you're going to get a complete history of all the Targaryen uh, dynasty. That's super cool. Uh, someone suggested, it's been suggested many times on our podcast when we talk about it, that maybe George has written all the books and he's just waiting for the show to be over to publish it, which I feel is dumb. I have but, a question. Why? I, I don't know. But uh, I'm, I'm starting to come around. So, so it is perplexing that this is now the largest gap we've ever had between any, any of the books. And we also know that... Um, so I'm, I'm, this is me blowing sunshine up all y'all's asses. But I kinda, I'm starting to actually believe this. Um, George is a, uh, a gardener. And as a, he's not an architect, which means he doesn't have, he has a kind of a goal he's trying to get to, but he like creates these characters and he waters them and he adds some sunshine and they start growing in interesting directions, which impacts the paths of the other characters. He has to go back and rewrite that. And as these books continue, like, like they, they've exploded out and now they have to bring them back in. And I think a guy like that would be loath to release a Winds of Winter not having the dream of spring, because what happens if he has a garden grow and the dream of spring, and it's impossible because he's already released the winds of winter. Now, my, my, my standard 
comment on that has always been, why the hell would Harper Collins or whoever, I can't remember his exact publisher, why would they ever go along with that? Uh, and I'm starting to think that, like, maybe just Mar- George is that powerful. Like, if he's like, look, I don't have to write another book. I can just sit on them. I'm already super rich, and I don't care. But if you, let, if, if, if you agree to let me finish these two books at my own pace, and then when they're both done, you can release them, like, a year apart or whatever, like, does that seem plausible? Does it seem more plausible than he's just sitting? Like, like in 2014, he was three, four months away from being done. In 2015, he was three or four months away from being done. And in 2016, he just stopped giving updates. Like, that's weird. How can you be three or four months away from being done with something four years ago? Like, what is this? Half-Life 3? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Oh, wow, that's the one that really gets the Game of Thrones uh, people riled up. Uh, it's like, show of hands, is that plausible? That George is sitting, that, that he's, I'm not saying he's finished them all, but like, okay, I got some, I'm just, yeah. how many people do you think he, how many people think we're going to get Winds of Winter? Oh, that's kind of depressing. How many people think the we're going to get a dream, of spring, a, a dream of Spring? Oh, that's really depressing. I, I think those go hand in hand. How many think we'll get like two more books we don't know about because it's going to take George that long to finish the thing? <laughs> okay. All right. That's, that's fair. Uh, I don't know. It seems like cause I just don't see it happening. He doesn't seem like he needs to write these books. And he's, he feels compelled to write, just not these two books. And I don't, it doesn't seem like he's going to come back around to them. Uh, At least not in time to keep Brandon Sanderson off his back. I mean, I get the impulse of being afraid to let, let people down. I mean, I was sobbing hysterically backstage, and it was just a threat of a lawsuit that got me out here to do this podcast. So I get, I get being reluctant to come out here and disappoint, and, 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 and disappoint people, but, like, man, uh, I don't know. It's just, a, it's, it's just such, a, such a weird thing. And uh, the other thing is um, season seven. So, like, last time we were at Con of Thrones, we, you, we were right before season seven. And, you know, we make, people were making predictions. There's already a lot of spoilers out at the time. Uh, and I thought season seven went pretty good. There's some rocky places in the middle. Not sure about the whole dragging a white back to King's Landing plan. Uh, but I felt like it, be, it, 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 it ended well and ended well, or began well and ended well. And it sets up season eight pretty good. But there's only six more episodes. And it just seems like there's so much plot left to resolve. Uh, I need George to come and tell me, like, the full play-by-play. I'm, I'm going to get the highlights. I'm going to get the cliff notes. Yeah, d- absolutely. You're 100% right on that. I just don't think there's going to be a play-by-play. All right, well, that's a bummer. Maybe I'm a pessimist, but I just don't see it happening. Um, okay, uh, shall we move on to the next segment? Yes, the next segment is the aforementioned Lord of Lightning round. Um, so this is... This may be a good time to talk about a person who is writing a book, <laughs> an important book. Uh, I'd say, yeah, we, I've, I've been kind of hinting at this here and there, but like, I've been, for the last six months, working on a book with a guy whose name is Anthony Ladon, who's a professor of... Uh, theology out of Dayton, and we're doing a look into the religions of Westeros uh, and their real-life counterparts, because Anthony is a, uh, he's an expert on um, comparative religion, uh, ancient religions, um, religions all over the world, and uh, as several panels here have talked about, a lot of the religions in Westeros are based on, like, real-life analogs. And if we understand that, we can kind of understand, like, deeper themes and connections to the characters and how they view the world. But it's also, uh, turns out, kind of useful for theory crafting. So it's going to be kind of like a 
a semi-scholarly look at the religions, but also with a lot of fun ton-in-cheek stuff and a lot of fun fan theory stuff. And uh, there'll probably be there's going to be a Kickstarter in about two weeks where we're going to try to raise money to get an editor and a, uh, a typesetter and a cover artist and all that. Uh, if you're interested in that, check it out. Uh, you go to baldmove.com or follow us on Facebook or Twitter to see when it comes out. And he decided it'd be a good idea to just do a pop quiz on all the religions in Westeros to see if I could hang. Yeah, we're going to test your knowledge here so we know whether or not to buy your book. Well, if, uh, I, if, I, if, I, if I suck really bad, I mean, this seems like this is, this is high <laughs> this risk. This is setting you up for failure. High Absolutely. risk, low reward. <laughs> you know, people are going to buy the book or not, but if I completely fall on my face, probably not. Uh, All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I think you'll do pretty well at these. Uh, but the Lord of Lightning Round concept is... Aaron has 30 seconds to, I'm going to name a religion. He has 30 seconds to describe that religion to you, to the audience members here. Can I pass? Uh, you cannot pass. And it's if, not $30,000 pyramid? In fact, if you don't know, if you don't know anything about the religion at all, I prefer you make something up okay. and try and fool them. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay? I'm not, I don't, I've not, I'm not seen this list. He came up with this in secret, so... Here we go. And I've got a timer here. I'm you have a timer? Yeah, All right. I'm going to try and put it up to my mic so we can hear the failure. Uh, okay, we're, we're starting off with an easy one, a softball, R'hllor. Uh So that is the uh, religion around the Lord of R- R- Light. It's all about uh, f- uh, the purifying power of flame. It's based on an ancient religion called Zoroastrianism, which is uh, one of the first dual religions where they have a co-equal good god and an evil god. And they are in, locked in, a, in a, a cosmic struggle. And the interesting thing about the, the interesting thing about R'hllor is that like he's the seems like he's the good god, but he's locked into war with this great other who's the opposite of him. And his magic is all about shadow and, and darkness and cold. And the Lord of Light is all about fire and warmth. Time's and, up. Okay. Time's up. You got everything you need out of that. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's bring on the next one: the Faith of the Seven. That's another, another prominent religion in Westeros, largely based on uh, concepts uh, in, in embodying the Roman Catholic uh, 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 Church, the Catholicism. Uh, it's, it says that there's one God that is uh, reflected in seven aspects, the father, the smith, the warrior, the maiden, the mother, the crone, and the stranger. Um, and all of those things are co-equal, and they all embody, like, main qualities, but they're all connected to each other through the star so that these qualities are also tempered by each other. It's one of the interesting... Time's up. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> I, I'm going to enjoy this no, way too much. I don't even need a phone. <laughs> uh, here, we're, we're pitching you softballs to start off with. Okay. Uh, how about the old gods? Uh, so that's a religion that was native to Westeros. It's uh, roughly analogous to the animism religions that you see in, like, the First Nations and Native Americans, where they don't have, like, a central god, but they uh, worship uh, trees and uh, uh, rivers and the land. And, and, in fact, the children of the, the forest, who are the main adherents of that and the converted to first men, their language was described as, like, the sound of babbling brooks and the rustling of wind through trees. And uh, it's, it's an, in comparison to, like, the Faith of the Seven, it's an active... Oh, time's up. Shit. Too bad. <laughs> All right. 30 seconds is killing uh, me, man. Yeah, it's need not 30 much minutes. time. Uh, you need at least one chapter for each religion, I would think. Uh, okay, let's go Oh, with... shit, I should have thought of that. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Just wrote the last chapter at the hotel room two nights ago, but, like, damn. <laughs> ah. Okay, here we Ooh. go. Yeah. We're, we're getting a little trickier, I okay. think. The many-faced God. 
So that is the uh, uh, the the uh, faceless men's uh, realization that there is one God and that God is death, and they see all the other great religions of Westeros and Essos. Uh, all pay homage to this, uh, the stranger or the, the other, and they see that's the universal thing. All men die, uh, and they see that uh, the one thing that unifies all these religions is that, they, that, that, that that's the inevitability of death. And that death is not something to be feared. It's something that's a, it's a, it's a mercy. It's when you've, you've been on a long travel, oh, a dusty trail. He... Real unfortunate there. <laughs> that's a really interesting religion. I wish we had more time. Uh... <laughs> Let's go a little bit harder now. Have you heard of the horse god? Uh, are you referring to the great stallion of the Dothraki? Uh, I'm going to assume you are. So the, the, the Dothraki are interesting because they're analogous to, like, Mongol culture, the, the, the tribesmen of the, the steppes in, in, in Central Asia. Uh, and their whole thing is they believe in the great stallion. He's very mighty, but he's uh, like the Mongols who worship the mountains. That's a very localized religion, and they don't believe that anyone that's not from the mountains should worship their gods. Uh, so they recognize, like, the other peoples have gods, and they're powerful, maybe not as powerful as the Great Stallion since they're conquering and enslave them, um, but they, they, they do recognize oh, the... so many seconds missed. Mm. So many seconds left to describe them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go to the next one. Uh, Mother Roin. Uh, so that is a, a, a god that's worshipped by the Roinar, uh, and it's typified by the Roinar uh, River, and that's roughly analogous to the Nile River in Egypt. Uh, that ever that, that that's a you know the 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 deliver the, the deliver the river gives them the life and makes their fields fertile. Uh, there's also these gigantic turtles that live within them called the old men of the river, and they're supposed to be the consort of uh, Mother Roin. Uh, and yeah, I don't. That's that's uh, don't know a lot about that. All one. right. Well, you made it in under the buzzer. Okay. But I buzzed you anyway. Uh, next up. Here's another pretty easy one, although it's, it's a lot to describe. The Drowned God. Uh, the Drowned God is the god worshipped by the Iron Islanders, and he is, a, you know, a, a, he's also associated with, like, death and, and, and mystery and coldness. Uh, people, the, the, the Ironborn feel like that they can uh, uh, be drowned and die and be reborn, and then they never have to die again. It's like this, like, literal baptism and if you survive it, then, you know, you've been blessed by the drowned god. Uh, all of their prophets and their priests uh, have to under, like, like, Theon gets baptized, like, by pouring the, sprinkled the water over him. But oh, the actual priest, Okay. <laughs> Has, let, let me ask you this. Has a king of the Iron Islands, or queen of the Iron Islands, as it may be, ever not died? As, as their prophecy, have they ever so, not come back? No, have they ever not died? Like, come back and then not died? Uh, actually, that. there is one that there happened is. around one of the Greyjoy rebellions where he raised himself and said he was a literal, like, um, uh, like manifestation of the uh, of the drowned god. And where uh, is he? Is he on Gendry's boat? Well, so he did. He did get. Uh, he he did like literally march off to sea and not come back. But there's evidence that maybe he is coming back. Mm, I don't know. Okay. That's interesting. It's a tough one. All right, we're going with another one that I hadn't heard of, because uh, I'm not a book reader, The Lazarine. Uh, so The Lazarine is from the tribe that uh, Miri Mazdur, the Magi, came from. Uh, they worship a god called the Great Shepherd. It's very analogous to, like, the, uh, the, the desert 
uh, sheep herding tribes like the, 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 the Jewish faith came from, the great Abrahamic religions came from. It's a monotheist God uh, that recognizes the goodness of all men. The great shepherd loves us all. All of his lambs the same. They have great esteem for healers because that, uh, that those are, that's something that pr- promotes life, and their healers give their skills to— The great shepherd to... loves us all but hates that timer. <laughs> uh, okay. Next up, uh, Merlin, Merlin King. I— so that's a religion formed around the worship of Varys, who, if you do a close reading of the Song of Ice and Fire, you find out he actually is a Merling. Uh, he, the reason he, he, he wears these long flowing robes and never shows his feet is because he's got flippers. Uh, he, he's, he's described as being like smooth and hairless because he's actually half fish. Uh, he doesn't have male or female parts because he's got that weird fish slit that could go either way. Uh, and... I kind of want to let this one keep running. <laughs> I did. I did a whole podcast on. If you go in the spoiler archive, I did a whole like fifteen minute section on on the Merlin King there. All right, and the final one, which sounds more Westworld to me than Game of Thrones, the Pattern. <laughs> Wikipedia, folks. This know. is the religion formed around the Loomsters of. Trithalon, and He's right. they're one of the free cities you've never heard of that's really far, really, really far east. It's like east of Essros. It's like the land beyond, and they worship the loom. It's like Wanted. Have you seen Wanted where it goes back and forth? It spits out a name, and they have to kill those people. It's that. It's, that. it's George is worshiping Wanted. He really likes Angelina Jolie. He really likes uh, Professor X. Uh, and that's Damn. the religion. That what the accurate. hell is that? You made that one up. No, I swear, Wikipedia made this Has up. Has anyone heard of the did. pattern? The okay, pattern, I don't feel too gotta, bad about it's that. It's got to be this like crazy, obscure uh, <laughs> world of ice and fire, one paragraph thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm going, to, I'm, made it up. I'm going to Jim made it up. He's, he likes to troll people. That's it. Uh, we still have about 20 minutes left. I'm hoping people will cue... Well, yeah, well, I, I got another topic. If, if you got any questions or if you want to, you know, get a comment on to the podcast, step up to the mic. Uh, yeah. Don't be shy. Uh, let's talk, uh, introduce another topic of what do we think, it's, it's a long ways off, but what do we, th- and, and we are unspoiled. We have not seen any, I don't think there are any leaks at this point, but we haven't seen any if there are. Uh, any predictions for season eight? I have the mother of all predictions. I think Cersei is going to win. I think, oh, you can boo me, all 60,000 of you. Uh, I, I feel like she's got the right strategy in this war, and John and Daenerys are going to be busy fighting the Night King, and Cersei's going to come in and mop him up. That's a very Game of Thrones ending. Okay. Um, I'm still, I'm still repping the, uh, I don't think, I think either John or Danny will survive. I don't think they both will. And I think they're going to try to pay whoever's a survivor pay homage to this concept of Danny breaking the wheel by forming again, not like a strict like Western style democracy, but there's going to be uh, some sort of uh, there's going to be some sort of limitation on the powers of the Iron Throne. There's lots of reasons I think this because um, the war that's 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 bled the, the the country and the war that's coming is you know eliminating a lot of the the small folk. 
so the ones, you know, you still need people to tin the flocks, you need still people to pound your armor, and you need people to, you know, tan your hides and all that kind of stuff. So, like, those people are going to be a lot more powerful. They're going to be able to demand better working conditions and money, and it's going to rise, uh, lead to a rise in, like, a merchant class, and the lords that are left, like, it's, it's going to be very tempting for them just to, like, break off into the seven kingdoms, so to continue to unite the whole country, they're going to have to, like, make concessions to keep them in line, so it's, I don't know, I, uh, it's, I know one of the things that George always said was frustrating about Lord of the Rings is after the evil was defeated, you know, K- King Aragorn ruled, and that was that, and a return to the status quo of someone being on the Iron Throne that's quote-unquote good, when if you look through the Targaryen dynasty, it's essentially good king, bad king, good king, meh king, terrible king, subtitled the cruel, okay king. Like, it's like, it's a, it's a crapshoot. And you're not breaking the wheel by putting a, a good king or queen on there that could give birth to some nightmare. So that's my uh, point. Let's hear the audience. Uh, yellow shirt? Yellow shirt. Yellow shirt. So question, um, who, which character do you think is least likely to die in season eight? Because I think that kind of might lead to how it's all going to, you know, end? I mean, who's going to be, you know, ruling? The least likely to die. Who can you not envision, you know? That's a tough one because, like, I think Danny or John could die. Because I think I have the answer, but I don't know what you all think. Um, Because, like, maybe Sansa. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That is what I'm thinking. Because I easily see Arya dying doing something foolish, heroic, or stupid, but Mm -hmm. Sansa has been established as a survivor, and they're also... Uh, establishing her as a capable leader that the North is going to need. And, like, if she's dead and, like, John, you know, like, who, who does that leave in the North? Um, so, yeah, I'd say Sansa. What do you think? That, that, was my, that was my guess, too. Now, extrapolating that, what do you think that would mean as far as the show? And when it's over, if Sansa's alive, is that... All, all men must die and Sansa's a woman. <laughs> so she's exempt through a loophole. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, she would be the queen of Winterfell, right? I mean, I Winterfell? think that would be, yeah. She'd be the Winterfell? Lord. Like, that, that's the well, thing. Is, I, yeah, because I think John or Danny is going to be the overall ruler. Okay. Um, okay. Most likely Danny, in my opinion. But, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's the other thing about the, you know, the, uh, the democratification of Westeros is that there's so many people dead, so many great houses that have been extinct, so many men in particular that have died in these wars that I think it'll be, it'll, it'll lead to an inevitable uptick in, uh, rights for inheritance for like both women and bastards because someone's going to have to hold these lands and titles and you're going to have people that maybe would be unattractive just a few years ago like Theon like no iron board would take him as a as a king or a leader but you know he's going to prove himself in the great war and there's going to be a shortage of like quote unquote capable men and there is going to there's going to leave cracks for people like Sansa and Theon and these others to attain very powerful positions that they otherwise wouldn't have and that's going to have you know, obviously, you let these people, you, you give these people representation within the government. That's just going to have a transformative effect on Westeros. Awesome. Thank you. Jim, I love the shoes. Love them. Oh, thanks. <laughs> They're new. Hi, I'm Maddie. Hi. Uh, hi. Um, so, you know, Con Snow looks like exactly like Kit. You know, it looks exactly like Kit? Con, Con Snow. Snow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, back to the Con, sorry. Um, who do you think, Aaron, who do you think Jim looks most like? And Jim, who do you think Aaron looks most like? I, I know my answer right off the bat. And he's going to be dressed at as, as him at 6 p.m. tonight. Okay. Uh, Roose Bolton. Uh, like, a, like a Gendry that hasn't spent five years rowing? 
Fuck you. Uh, That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Lannister. I take that as a compliment, actually. Uh, he's a very pretty man. Yeah. Just, just row for five years. Come on, you, I, you can do it. I believe you. I believe in you. I am Jamie of House Lannister, and I am come to ask, where do you think I play in all of this? Where do I end up? You're probably dead, bro. <laughs> my breaking heart my says. Heart here, breaking my heart. My heart says you marry Brienne. Love it. Love it. But you're gonna have to kill Tormund first. That's true. That's true. Uh, and it's, you'll break Tormund's heart, and he's he's got a he's got a big heart and an even bigger beard. Uh, no, I mean like you you know you you got in a rough rough shake. Like everyone says you're a villain. And you did do some bad things, but you seemed like a pretty good kid until you had to kill the Mad King. And honestly, that was a, that's, that's Luke Skywalker blowing up the Death Star. And what if Luke Skywalker got you know, uh, mocked and pilloried and disrespected for that heroic instead of getting the medal ceremony? Uh, it would, you know, maybe he... So what if he was chewy? <laughs> so what if he's chewy? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, like, uh, does he, is, is he able to maintain the Jedi ideals under those circumstances? So I feel like you're, you're right for a comeback. Yeah, you did some, you did some child, ch- attempted child killing. Uh, you've, you've, you choked your, you, 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 you strangled your cousin to death. But, you know, that's uh, it's, a grading on a Westeros curve. That's not bad. Like, that seemed bad until we met Ramsey Bolton. That seemed bad until we met Euron Greyjoy. So I, I feel like, yeah, you got, you got a bright, bright season eight future unless you, unless you die. The things I do for love. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I want to do some uh, thought experiment, like uh, Schrodinger's cat right here, okay? So at oh, some boy. point... Uh, let's say 1992, uh, George R. R. Martin starts writing these books, okay? And in his mind, he's got an ending. And let's just say the ending that we're going to see is the ending he came up with sometime between 92 and, let's say, 2000, okay? And then the double Ds come to him, and they ask him these questions, and that's when he tells them about Hodor and all these different things. So there is an ending, but it's like Schrodinger's cat because we don't know what the ending is going to be. But they both know what it's going to Eventually, it's going to materialize into one ending. And let's just say... Jim, you said uh, you think Daenerys is going to live. John's going to die. Let's just say Daenerys ends up on the throne. Super vanilla ending, just like that, okay? Um, do you think George, in his mind, there was an image that was Jon Snow. There was an image that was Ned Stark. There was an image that was Jamie Lannister. And then Kit Harington showed up, and then Sean Bean showed up. And then now these images are now, before they were pure, and now they are sort of, I don't want to say polluted, but in his mind, they're not pure anymore. Now he cannot write Jon Snow without thinking of Kit Harington. And do you think that that's part of what's causing this delay? Because I have a feeling that if the show never came out, we'd already have Winds of Winter. We'd already have A Dream of Spring. Because I think what's happened is that creative juice he had, that ending that he already... Because we come up with these really complex endings where, like, Braun ends up on the Iron Throne, right? But I don't think, it, I don't think in 92, when he first came up with this, Braun was going to sit on the Iron Throne. I think it was a pretty basic, generic ending where everybody was kind of happy with what happened. And we've just, the internet, Twitter didn't exist, YouTube didn't exist, and we have just overthought this to a massive extent. But you got to remember, there's this dude in Santa Fe, or he's, he's, there's a dude in New Mexico, and he's just sitting there, and he came up with an ending, and it's been there this whole time. And what do you think about that? What do you think about the show has actually maybe made it just impossible where, to the point where maybe he's second-guessing himself? So you think he 
kind of already wrote the books and the outline that he gave no, no, to the, the, the double the, D's, no, essentially? I, I don't think. I know. The outline's done. No, no, no. In, in his mind. Like, he's already written the books because he gave the outline to the people who are going to make the thing for I, him. I don't, I don't think he's written the books. I think there is – see, this is the problem I had is, right, we talk about a gardener, right? So we've created chaos, and then eventually we have to have the opposite of chaos, and then we have an ending that collate, that solves all the problems, and we have the opposite where everything comes together, right? The opposite of entropy. So now here we are. He knows what the ending's going to be, right? Something that the people, the creators of Lost, never figured out. They never came up with a real ending, right? Here we have an ending. There must be an end. And in his mind, he knows what that is. And in his mind, he told that to the double Ds, whatever that ending is. And I think they're coming up with this, like, man, we can't keep doing this anymore. Six more episodes and we're fucking done with this. But he can't do that. And I think, do you think that that's the part of the problem why he can't finish these books? I, so the first thought when you were ta- talking about this is whether he sees like Kit and uh, um, you know all these various people and it, it and I think like when I approach a work and I read the books first I have a very clear idea what those characters look like and then if I see like a movie adaptation later they they like kind of like share that space but I still have like who I think this person looks like whereas if I watch the television or the the, the film series or the, the 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 film series first, and then go back and read the books. Well, they just look like the people that looked on the film. And I feel like Martin would be like a super version of that. Like these are the creator, the characters he created, and like I don't think he sees uh, um, Peter Dinklage when he thinks of Tyrion because Peter Dinklage doesn't look anything like the book Tyrion. Right. I think he's got a very clear idea of that. But I mean, I can't help but wonder. As the red, as, as the reddits and the the wikis of ice and fire and the citadel orgs of the world have just pieced together and pulled all these secrets and had so much time and effort, like you know, six seven years between books to just obsess and analyze. That I think there is there is a version of the ending that's already out there, and I think that really bothers him. And I, I would find it very easy to believe that he has done some defensive rewrites to try to, like, oh, they figured this out. I need to make something even more badass and awesome. And, and also, I think what the, 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 the TV show, what might, its, its biggest effect might be is just it's, like, taken the winds out of his winter. It's taken the, the wind out of his sails that, like, his story is going to be told by two other people uh, that they kind of seem like they're getting a strained working relationship. And also... Like, if you listen to interviews, like, I feel like that Dan and David are, like, they, they, everything about the interviews, it seems like they're, like, kind of done. Like, they've been right. doing this for a decade, and they're worn out. And, like, that must, as a, as, a, as a creator that presumably is passionate about this creation of his, that must be an odd experience. Well, I think that works both ways. I think the, uh, Dan and Dave over here, and then um, George R. R. Martin over here, they have become defensive of each other's creation. Yeah. Right, because the one thing is, Dan and Dave are, are no matter what they do, they're going to get hate from the book community. Right? Oh, you just didn't do this right. What? What? He Sansa or uh, Arya fell in a shit river and she's fine. Like they're gonna, they're always going to have this hatred. And oh, we're sick of this. Let's make a, a TV show about the Confederacy. And then, and then you have uh, George R. R. Martin, who's like, I wouldn't have told the story that way. I wouldn't have burned Shireen. And I think they've both, they've all gotten tired of this conflict. I, I, I don't, I just, I honestly feel like if this show had never come out, which I'm glad it did because it brought a lot of us to the books, mm-hmm. that the the book series would have been done by now. Yeah, and also, it's like the same thing I wondered about, you know, like every time we're talking about The Walking Dead, what the comic book fans think. Like, 
The Walking Dead at its highest published rate was like 150,000 copies being circulated, and at Walking Dead's highest ratings was 18 million people watching it. So, like, the fans that read the source material are always going to be a much smaller subset. It's like any time in marketing, if you get, get, you know, you get 10 people to do something and you ask them to do it extra, like, you'll get one person to do it. Or if you start with 100 people and you ask them to, all right, everybody pay 10 bucks to get in this room, now you only got 10. And then, okay, I got you, please, uh, everyone sign up for our newsletter. Only one person of that's going to do it. So it's like the books, like, all of us here at the con, I'm not going to say all of us because I know there's a lot of, like, how many people only watch a show? All right, see? But, but the vast majority of them have done both because this is the concentration of the most. The people that listen to the podcast, the people to come to conventions usually are the super fans that have done both. But there's, last I saw their estimate of 100 million people in the world watch Game of Thrones either through piracy or streaming online. There's no way even half of that have read the books. Like, right. I'd be surprised that 10 million people have read the books. Right. So um, it, it, when you say that, like, book readers will be unhappy with the way, like, I, even if they are and it's universal, like, that'd be a drop in a bucket if they nail season okay, eight. Okay, maybe not even book readers. Jim, you, you thought some of the storylines were ridiculous. And you haven't read the books, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, The Shit River is a prime Right, example. of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I wonder if it's a case of, him feeling that he's passed his responsibility to tell this part of the story on to the Double Ds. Maybe that's why we see him writing around uh, the, the main focus of the story, um, you know, with World of Ice and Fire and all that stuff. Right. Uh, I wonder if he feels like he's kind of passed that to the next person. Pure conjecture. I have no idea. But. The other thing is I, I, I read an, uh, probably o- overly hopeful thread on Reddit where they were postulating that George has realized that to properly understand the whole series that he needs to get this history nailed down because there's so much stuff that's, like, building on, right. like, the Targaryen dynasty, for example. Like, why would you take a break to release that? Well, maybe he's got to get that straight in his head so he knows how. Because he, he's there's already hints that there's a lot of these things that, you know, uh, if you read some of the crazier theories, there's some hints that, like, the Blood Raven, the Three-Eyed Crow, has shaped the Targaryen uh, dynasty, especially in the last hundred years or so. And... If George is going to build on those concepts, he better damn well know the history. And maybe he's just like, hey, I need to build more world. I don't know if I believe that or not. But, but While well, that sounds like a great idea, the thing is he did at some point tell the Double Ds an ending, and we are going to see that right. ending next year. But he also originally had this to be a trilogy. Right. So, like, that's the gardener problem, right? The vines keep growing, the weeds get taller, and at some point you've got to whack them down, and that's where he seems to have a tr- trouble doing that. All right, I think we got to get to the next two questions here. Yep. Uh, after doing all your research for the religions in Westeros, yep. I just wondered if you were to be put into the like Planetos or whatever you want to call it, what religion would you do and like would you be a part of, and what would you do inside that religion? Like, if you were chose to be part of the Drowned God religion, would you be like the damp hair going out? Well, he, I like his name. That's a good name for a high priest religion. Did, I thought it was Dan Fair, by the way, for like the first three years I read the book. Uh-huh, I didn't realize uh-huh. it said Dan Fair. Yeah. Um, I, you know, so yeah, as people say, atheos. Um, I, like I said, I just said this on a panel on, on the Faith of the Seven. Like, if I walk outside this con and there's some person conjuring flame and resurrecting the dead, I'm signing up for that religion. <laughs> Right? Because that's evidence that there is a power that I don't understand that I could beseech to maybe live forever. That's pretty cool. Like, my atheism isn't going to get that. So uh, I guess I would, I would go hard after, uh, I, I, would, I would sit at the feet of the Blood Raven, 
and want to get plugged into Weirwood Network to have immortality, or I would want to get with the Lord of the Light so I could be resurrected by uh, a, 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 a hot fire priestess, hopefully played by my wife. Uh, and that, that sounds pretty good to me. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, that's, I feel like that's like, um, like a lot of religious people think the atheists are atheists just to be like, oh, screw you, God. But like, no, man, if there's a God, I would totally be down for, like, I, I want to live forever. I don't want to die. Who wants to die? Oh, there's probably some people. And <laughs> you, you ever, there's people to love you, and you're very important, and we don't want that to happen. But you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I, I'm, I'm totally, what about you? Uh, Two-minute warning. Let's, I think that was pointed at you. Yeah. We want to get some more questions in real quick. See, Jim would die. He, he's, he's like, screw I just, it. Yeah. I'm not kneeling. I'm, I'm, I do not kneel. Drown me, don't bring me back. <laughs> I have a cool question about the ending really fast. It's been briefly mentioned in the books and even less briefly in this show. What role do you think the Golden Company is going to play? Since there's only six episodes, like how are they going to fit the, the dead I, I, and the wall and the Golden Company and Euron? Like how are they going to bring all the different story elements? Yeah, because Cersei mentioned that Euron went over to go get them. So do you, what role do you think they're going to play? Are they going to be involved with fighting the Night King? Oh, oh, the the Bravos mm-hmm. army? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. From Essos. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to have a pivotal role to play. And whether they get burned immediately alive by right. the dragons or not is up in the air. But uh-huh. they're absolutely coming over. Okay. They have to be. Yeah, and I think that's uh, like the the magic like thousand ships of Euron Greyjoy. Like that's a way that the sh- there's a lot more moving parts in the books. But that's a way for the showrunners. Like, man, our cupboards are bare. We need armies to continue to do this fight. Oh, yeah, right, there's the Golden Company. We'll bring them over on his thousand ships, and that's going to work out. But I'm sure in the books they'll have a lot more, but that's, that's just essentially shorthand for Cersei's still got some armies to threaten Danny and John when they get back, for presumably from the war with the, with the White Walkers. Okay, Try to get one more one in. More. One more in. So sorry. I'm much shorter than this mic. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to jump back to when you were talking about kind of a shift in how the government would work in Westeros. I know Martin's based a lot of the story on Western Europe and how their governments kind of went. So in the last season, Tyrion kind of touched on if Danny was to become the queen, that she may not have a successor. And although John might throw that off, I was wondering if you thought it was possible that they might take like the British model of having a prime minister and a royal still in the seat. Yeah, I think that's one of the pressures I'm talking about. Like, um, I don't, you know, that's still something debated whether Danny is barren. But the fact that Tyrion brought it up that you need an heir and to to have a dynasty, I think, is pointing to that there is going to be some kind of. Uh, and there's also a lot of proto democracies in Westeros, like the the the, uh, the the Nights Watch elect their leaders dem- democratically. There's a uh, uh, Volantis has the triarchs that they elect annually. Uh, Danny is from the uh, um, uh, uh, old Valeria, where they elected from. You know, all the freeholders got a, a vote, and they elected their leadership that way. So I think there's precedent. It'll just it'll be some form of very very uh, prototypical. It might just be like the like the House of Lords kind of thing, where like the ho- the lords can consent to taxes and who gets to wage war and that kind of thing. It's not going to be like. You know, one man, one vote. Every plowboy and milkmaiden is going to get a vote. It'll be something kind of like that. So, good questions. All right. We are out of time. We're going to be kicked off the stage. Thanks, everybody, for coming. Really appreciate appreciate it. it. All the great questions.